This is the Master Notes podcast. My name is David, and I will be your host today. I'm Daniel. Hello. <laughs> so, uh, Daniel, how about you introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, I'm Daniel. I am not an expert in space or space exploration. I am, I, I would call myself a space enthusiast. So, um, somebody who is very curious and I have lots of questions and I hope that we'll be able to answer some of them today. Yeah, I hope so. I will be able to answer them too. So, can you give us a little background on what you do on a regular basis daily? I am a university teacher and a writer. And what do you teach at the university? Uh, mostly literature, mostly 19th century literature. So wow. long before there was, uh, you know, space exploration or space flight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think that maybe we should just uh, sometimes you can just insert some things about uh, literature to to keep, to keep the audience entertained. Sure, maybe sometime I'll uh, talk to you a little bit about the Great Moon Hoax. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So today's topic is the Falcon Heavy launch, mm -hmm. uh, which happened this morning for our uh, time zone, and. Um, I think that SpaceX has done a tremendous amount of uh, work to get this rocket up uh, from the the 2002 when they were established, and um, basically uh, just to just to give you some facts, so uh, SpaceX was established by Elon Musk and uh, the whole goal was to revolutionize space technology and um, the with the ultimate goal of enabling people to live on other planets mm. and um, personally I think and I don't want to you know to to blame NASA for this but uh, as as a government company they are not motivated by profits so that's why there is less and less innovation there they have to play for safety and uh, startups like SpaceX and other companies can have a, a really a big advantage because they can focus on how to make this whole thing cheaper and in the end it can turn out to be, be a huge success like SpaceX. So what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, growing up, I was always a big fan of NASA and I always felt that um, NASA would be the way that we would get to Mars or even start a moon colony. But it seemed like maybe for the last 15 years, every time they talk about going to Mars, it's always 20 years in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when SpaceX first started saying, you know, we want to do a Mars mission, I thought, oh, it's never going to happen. Like, it'll be a miracle if they can even make a, a rocket fly. <laughs> But as we see these milestones being hit by SpaceX, it's starting to seem like this might be a real possibility. So I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, and and with you, probably millions of people are yeah. are in, in this world. And uh, to me, SpaceX was the company that, that enlightened the passion inside me again, because I saw that 
that this is developing and there is a new space race coming and I didn't want to just witness it. I wanted to be a part of it. Mm. So I am very grateful for, for Elon and, and, and every SpaceX employee mm. for, for doing this hard work because they inspire many of us. Yes, yes. And that makes me think of when Elon Musk launched his Tesla Roadster into space. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, that doesn't really accomplish much scientifically to have a Tesla Roadster in space. Yeah. But uh, it, it's really inspiring. It's yes, it is. It's a cool idea. It's, it's much more fun than launching a, a block of concrete, which they usually do, and yeah. they did on the Falcon 1 launches. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that down the line, that launch could inspire like thousands or, or even, even tens of thousands and millions of people to then go ahead and chase a career in space exploration. Because maybe this was the first thing that they heard of SpaceX yeah. because, because millions of people uh, heard of it. And I, I think that this is this is marketing at its finest. Absolutely. Like this morning when I was reading articles about the successful launch of the Falcon Heavy, uh, some of them mentioned that they're still tracking his roadster. So yes. they know where it is yes. in orbit around the sun. And that's just kind of wonderful that one of the track, I guess, almost like comet type things out yeah. in space now is Elon Musk's car. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I saw some uh, people on on Reddit that they they actually uh, so, you know like civilians are also tracking the roadster and they know where it is and they are counting the days for the next time that it will be visible with a telescope. So right. so, so maybe it will just you know you will see a flyby <laughs> with the sun or something. That's yeah. You know, a starman like waving at us. Exactly. You know, they always have the, the arrival of the comets put into the calendars and that yeah. would be yeah. watching the stars for <laughs> Elon Musk's car. Yeah. <laughs> the starman coming. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so just to put this into perspective this um, this falcon heavy launch that the the with the, the roadster and starman mm -hmm. it was the the first launch of the falcon heavy it was a demo mission and it happened in on, on the uh, 7th or something on the 7th of february in 2018 mm -hmm. and um, to me that that was a very uh, important date because it was very close to my birthday as well so Happy birthday. <laughs> thank you <laughs> so so that that was uh, something i got very emotional with mm. and the the only thing that uh, unsatisfied me with that launch was they they couldn't land the central co center core mm -hmm. um which uh, in the, in this launch they did so this is also a huge accomplishment for for spacex and um, right now as of uh, april 2019 they made uh, 76 launches and 71 of them succeeded wow. so so this is a very very good record mm -hmm. they they failed the first three launches uh, and there were there were two other uh, rockets that that didn't uh, get into the desired orbit. 
so so this is a very good record and they also uh, did uh, 35 booster landings plus this falcon heavy i don't know if they counted as one or three landings but uh you can you can see that they are very good at landing right now so so how about we we start uh, talking about the this this rocket the falcon heavy so i don't know if you have any questions about about this rocket i've got lots of questions about it um my first question is what are the different parts of the rocket mm -hmm. and what do they do okay so i'm i'm just showing you a picture here okay and i know that the audience cannot uh, see this but i'm just i'm just watching the falcon heavy probably many of you guys can imagine this so uh, here you can see the boosters mm -hmm. there are three of them connected here mm -hmm. and then there is the the interstage and the second stage mm -hmm. and and this is the the payload fairing mm -hmm. so uh, basically this can be separated into the three parts and so the first part is the first stage and now now this is uh, this is three cores, two side boosters and the center core, mm -hmm. and um, they are connected in a in a special way through this uh, interstage. Mm -hmm. And uh, SpaceX engineers had to make sure that the the interstage here on the center core is much stronger than than the regular Falcon 9 launches, um, because it has to it has to bear all of the power that comes from these side side boosters as well so th this this is a big engineering challenge and they were very nervous about this on the first launch and they were very happy that it, it actually took off mm. and they could reach the desired orbit i don't know what this does so okay this uh, inside interstage is just the just the engine so uh, i don't know if you have any questions about the first stage uh, here you can see how the the actual engines and the nozzles are aligned. So mm -hmm. so this is uh, uh, what is this? This is not a hexagon. What is because the hexagon is six. What is the octagon? Oct 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 octagon. Yeah. yeah. So they call this the octaweb uh, alignment. So they have one one engine here in the center, and then eight uh, in a circle around. So this is the most symmetric uh, layout that. They they could they could come up with so this is uh, in total 27 uh, merlin engines and it produces 5.1 million pounds of thrust at liftoff which is uh, twice more than than any other operational rocket uh, today mm. so so this is this is one of the this is the the uh, most uh, this is the the most uh, powerful heavy lift rocket we have right now and uh, as I know, it costs $90 million. Maybe we can see the pricing here. Uh, yeah, so it costs $90 million and uh, it can lift uh, 64,000 kilograms into low Earth orbit mm. and uh, 26,000 uh, kilograms into uh, GTO, which is the geosynchronous transfer orbit that they used in this mission. And uh, it can it can launch uh, sixteen point eight tons to Mars, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is also amazing. But uh, they say that the Starship will be able to to launch more than one hundred tons to the surface of Mars, which is way more payload than what they can do with the Falcon Heavy. Mm -hmm. So so that rocket will be a beast for sure. 
Okay, so let's go back. So let me ask you sure. a very basic question, and um, maybe this is, um, you know, they say there's another thing as a stupid question, but maybe this is. Um, <laughs> so why, why use three rockets? Why not just build one bigger rocket? Because uh, this, this is a tremendous question, because uh, that's what they are actually doing right now. The, the Starship and the Super Heavy will have a bigger, bigger booster, like bigger diameter and uh, the bigger diameter second stage as well. So it will have a bigger payload capability, but they use three uh, boosters for this one because it's, first of all, it's easier to manufacture, to use the same process that they, they already refined and optimized. And um, they can reuse the boosters again for the for the another uh, Falcon Heavy launch, and they can use the same second stage and the same payload fairing that they have developed for the Falcon Nine, which is you know a, a bit less powerful, but it is also an awesome rocket. So that's why I hope I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... And uh, so I have uh, so many more questions about. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so okay, so when you look at these uh, three rockets, it looks kind of like um, they all have the same diameter. Is that right? Yes. Yes, so they all do. They're basically the same three rockets. Yes. But one of them has more stuff on top. Yes, the center core has more stuff, and you can also see see the nose cones here. Mm -hmm. That these are these are uh, actually developed for the aerodynamics of the Falcon Heavy. But from from uh, below here, this these are the exact same rockets, exact same fuel, uh, exact same engines, nozzles, everything. So you could switch them out, and it would work the same. Yeah, you can switch the, the side boosters. Uh, probably on the right side, you see this uh, stronger uh, line. I don't know exactly what that is, so it's not, not that easy to just switch it switch them, but they are, they are very, very similar. And also the center core, as I mentioned, is a bit more strengthened structure. So this cannot be used for a regular Falcon 9 launch. So these were a bit tweaked to be optimized for Falcon Heavy, but the basic uh, process is, is the same. Interesting, interesting. And of course, this is so that they can launch bigger satellites. Yes, of course, bigger, bigger payloads. Uh -huh. yeah. Or the same payload, but further away. <laughs> <laughs> right. For example, like I, I noticed that it, you can launch smaller and smaller things depending on how high you send yeah. them. Uh, and that's okay. So I'm going to ask another layman's question, which is: It seems to me, at least from my very limited understanding of gravity, that once you get the payload past a certain point, there's if there's no more gravity pulling it back, then it doesn't matter how, quite how far you send it. Is that mm, what do you what do you mean by no gravity? <laughs> well, I mean. Uh, so what I'm imagining is that um, it, it doesn't take much more effort or a much bigger rocket to get a uh, mass 
to Mars than it does to get it to, say, I don't know. To the moon? Yeah. The moon. Yes, you are absolutely right about this. Uh -huh. So if we, if we try to budget the energy that is needed for, for a trip to Mars and take it like 100%, mm -hmm. 50% of that energy is just to reach low Earth orbit. Wow. So to get away from the gravity well of, of the Earth. Mm -hmm. And from that, the other 50% is needed to get to Mars. I don't know the exact numbers for the moon, but it is uh, similar, like 40 or, or 30%. Mm -hmm. So so yes, this is uh, the, the, you need the big rockets and the big boosters mm -hmm. to make the payload uh, reach space. And then from that, because there is no, no so, uh, aerodynamic drag or something you can use the second stage which is a very effective uh, vacuum vacuum engine and we will talk about this a bit later and, and you can just use it to basically reach any orbit you want if your payload is 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 uh, it doesn't weigh enough so so yeah I, I hope did I did I answer or did I explain yeah. clearly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that makes sense. And so, so you said something about a vacuum engine. Yes. Um, and could you explain a little bit more about the difference between the types of engines used? Uh, yes, it's it's not uh, really the engine, but the actual nozzle itself. And I wrote an article about this that you can you can read on my website. Um, I will just try to find its uh, actual name because I'm I'm not sure. So uh, it's on the second page. So this is one of the first articles I wrote. Mm -hmm. So this is what are the new dual bell nozzles on SpaceX Starship Raptor engines good for? This is a pretty long title, but uh, in this, and I will show you some some pictures, so it's it's easier to explain. So in this, I just I just found an awesome comment on Reddit, mm -hmm. and basically uh, that that guy just wrote the article, and then I just copied it with his permission. So uh, here you can see uh, some some basic terminology behind the rocket engine gas outflow. So what happens is that the hot gas comes from the engine, and then it exists uh, exits at the at the nozzle and because uh, of the physics law when when gas is coming out very quickly it has a certain amount of pressure and this can be tweaked by the 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 actual uh, curve of the nozzle so if it's if it's smaller then then uh, you can increase the pressure inside and this is good if you are um, if you are, you know, just just lifting off because you have um, one uh, bar of pressure, so the 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 engine that is optimized for for uh, sea level working working conditions has a straight uh, stream of gas coming out, and um, we will see it in the Falcon Heavy launch that the gas starts to expand as the rocket gets uh, up and up in the atmosphere. So the, the gas outflow pressure is the same, but as the atmosphere gets thicker, the gas just expands because it is a bigger pressure than the ambient pressure it has on, the, on that, that level, that altitude. Mm -hmm. So for vacuum engines, you, as there is zero pressure, you need to have in optimal situations, a nozzle that has an infinite diameter. 
that is impossible but you can you can increase the the actual the curve so so that it it can be optimized for for vacuum conditions and that is what the second stage engine is is good for and at least the nozzle and what they did for for the uh, starship is uh, you see this this is the 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 gas expansion when when the rocket reaches higher attitudes so uh, what they did for this this is a good image so what they did for the raptor engine is that when the ambient pressure is high then the gas will come out here and uh, from the dual bells, it will just use the, the central one and then expand here because, because the pressure here just holds it uh, there. But when you, when you get to vacuum conditions, the gas will expand all the way to the, to the bottom uh, curve. And then that will be good for, for vacuum conditions. This is important because when the starship wants to land it has to be able to throttle down to a very low uh, energy output and uh, with the vacuum engine you cannot do that because what you can see here on the shuttle shuttle image is that you have this little flow separation you see this this uh, bright line here uh, this is not optimal for the rocket and this can be seen when you when you launch launch the, the nozzles just before it reaches its its maximum thrust and th this can also also be seen here so this flow separation this makes it very ineffective mm -hmm. and can damage the whole rocket so this is what you want to avoid and that's why they did in the they did for for the uh, starship is to have have this this kind of dual bell so one bell and another bell so based on based on the attitude it's working yeah. it is uh, by physics it is it's it automatically uh, works in in that condition so uh, you can you can also see it in this picture that it that it has this it's not that uh, strong like what you see on the illustration but but it it is uh, visible here and i mean i love the reddit community that they just someone just comments in that well i think that you know, they are using dual bell nozzles mm -hmm. and like the next the next guy comments that what the hell are dual bell nozzles and then you you get a comment with uh, an article like this one so i i contacted the the author he sent me this picture so uh, i think that this is a super valuable article and if if you are interested in how engines work this is all i know but it is enough to understand what 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 you can see during the launch it's a lot more than what i know so that's, that's more than I knew five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm learning. All right, very good. That's good. Um, so, so shall we get back yeah, back yeah. to the the actual rocket and? We talked about the first stage. So okay, uh, we started talking um, about the second. Stage. Yeah, before we talk about that, I want to mention the grid fins that you can see here. Right. Uh, these little. Uh, grid uh, shaped mm -hmm. uh, fins these are made of titanium and they use hydraulics to to rotate when they are coming back mm -hmm. and uh, if you imagine yourself driving very very fast on the highway and you put your hand out 
it, the the airflow is really strong. Mm-hmm. So if if you have this on the top of the rocket, you can you can uh, steer the rocket wherever you want to go. They have uh, four of these on every every uh, booster, and this can be used to just simply yeah, align them properly so they can they can coast back. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Almost like wings. Yes, but they they don't take too much too much space when you launch them. Oh. So they, then they these they just open. I don't know if you've seen it on the video. Yeah, yeah, so they just open them. and then they can rotate to align themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's it for. Oh no, the legs. We we need to talk about the legs. Uh, so these are also. Uh, what, how do you say that uh, when you these are folded up yes so these are folded up during the liftoff and uh, when the rocket lands um, these uh, use uh, physics to open because at the at the end of the the launch they get unlocked and after a certain amount of uh, velocity so below a velocity they just start to open by themselves and uh, there are hydraulics that lock them uh, and they, they, they have a little bounce to them as well. And uh, in the video, we will see that they don't open at the same time. So there's like a little bit of uh, delay between the four legs. So this, this is an interesting, also an amazing engineering feat because if it's passive, it means that it will work um, all the time if it's engineered properly and it takes less amount of um, particles to put it together. So less weight, so a more effective rocket. And they can be folded up again and uh, you can prepare the rocket for liftoff very quickly. On the first few uh, versions of this rocket, this couldn't be uh, lifted up. So it had to be um, taken down, then folded with, uh, I don't know, some kind of uh, tool that they developed just for this. And then- A folding machine. Yes. <laughs> Probably this is not what they call it. Of course not. They, they, they must have a funny name uh, between each other. But technically, this is, this is what it is. So um, this made it much easier to, to be prepare the rocket for the next liftoff, which is the goal if you want to reuse them quickly. So, so this is the, the, the fifth version of the rocket. And this is this is optimized for very quick reflight. Okay, so are there any questions about the the first stage, the three boosters? Uh, you've answered all my questions. Okay, that's great. I don't know if people on the internet have questions. I think that we should uh, check check the questions after we discuss okay. most of the things. Sure. Um, so let's talk about the second stage. I mentioned the the vacuum engine, and um, I don't know if you have if you have any questions about this. Um, well, one question that I did have is, what kind of fuel does it use? Uh, it uses RP one kerosene, which is a rocket graded fuel. <laughs> But, and uh, also liquid oxygen. Mm-hmm. And this is the same for the first stages as well. And these are both um, deep cryo-frozen. So 
this this is because if if it's uh, very cool like minus 180 uh, degrees of celsius uh, they can pack more of that into the rocket and before the liftoff, they try to schedule the end of the the fueling very close to the to the actual launch because uh, as the the rocket is a bit warm because you know the sun is shining and it's the the ambient temperature it the gas or the the fluid starts to expand so they have to open some valves to to let it out because they don't want it to blow up or you know break apart right. so so every minute they are losing the efficiency of the rocket and uh so that's why you, you will see some white gas flowing uh, around the vehicle. Uh, this is why, because it's, it's very, very deeply frozen down to make sure that they can pack as much as possible into the rocket. Yeah, if they wait too long, then all their rocket fuel melts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like ice cream. Technically, yes. <laughs> it, it evaporates, actually. So the oxygen just becomes normal oxygen instead of being a deep cryo frozen liquid oxygen which is much more cooler i think yes yes it's much cooler than just normal oxygen <laughs> yes <laughs> literally cooler also yes <laughs> yeah um and so at what point does um the um the first stage fall away what point does it separate mm, it depends on on every rocket launch because it uh, it is a um, a factor of when where they want to uh, land it or if they even want to land the the booster so for the falcon heavy i don't know the exact timestamps, but as i remember the side boosters separated at uh, two minutes 30 seconds into the flight or so and the center core separated from the second uh, stage at around three minutes or 30 seconds or so I'm not exactly sure we will watch it and uh, then we will see the timestamp. And this is because, uh, well, first of all, they don't want them to separate at the same time. Um, and, you know, it would be just harder to navigate three rockets instead of two and then one. Uh, and they also want to bring back the, the two side boosters to the ground, back to Florida where they launched it. And, uh, you know, rocket launches are not just being just going up. It is, it is more about going sideways very fast so you can fall around the Earth. <laughs> So if, if they're going sideways, you have to align the rocket back to the, uh, to, the, to the ground, to Florida, and then fire the engines to make it fly back. And you need more fuel to do that and the landing instead of just, um, just letting the rocket fall and then land on the drone ship. Mm -hmm. So the, the side boosters at the separation, they have more fuel inside the rocket than the center core at the separation. They try to calculate it so that uh, when the rockets land, they have close to no fuel in them. But as I heard, uh, almost um, uh, 60% of the fuel has to, has to stay inside the side boosters and 40% or so uh, inside the, the center core so that they can they can make the landing. Probably uh, for the Block 5 boosters, this is, this is a bit more effective. Mm -hmm. 
so so these these are the the numbers that we can count with very interesting and um so uh, my question then becomes so why not just lot land maybe this is a question that we can't answer because we don't work for uh spacex but why not land all three boosters out at sea on a drone ship well that that's a good question i i don't know the the answer for this as i as far as i know there are only two drone ships right now so <laughs> so, the, so so you can't, can't land three uh-huh. but you could if you had another drone ship mm-hmm. maybe we should ask Elon on twitter maybe he yeah. can he can answer us um maybe it's because it is not necessary to land all three on on the drone ships mm-hmm. because you can deliver the payload anyways to the desired orbit sure. so uh, and it is cheaper to make them fly back then uh, land on the drone ship and then wait for the drone ship to fly back to 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 the port in in a few days right. and uh, then remove it from the drone ship so so this is just i think financially more feasible if you don't need it mm-hmm. then then don't spend the sure. extra resources and probably also when they're doing commercial launches regularly then they'll want to have as little time as possible yes. between launches of course yeah absolutely Um, I'm so curious about how this drone ship works uh, because it's entirely automated, right? Yes. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more about how that works? Well, I don't know if it's actually automated. Oh, okay. So uh, they probably have the control center and they they probably, you know, they can... can, uh, So it's operated remotely? Yes, probably. Um, during the 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 launch, I don't think that they they actually you know use joysticks to to move it around. So the the center core will will try to move where the drone ship is, and uh, then they they can just drive it back. So it's it's more like in a computer game that you tell the character to move to this point, and then then it will find the most effective way to move there, and then the most effective to come back. Depending on video game. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but of course, this is probably like the very most advanced video game. <laughs> um, so that takes me to my next question, which is based on what does it actually find, the drone ship? What does it use to the, the rocket? Find it? Yeah. Uh, I, I I think that it uses some cameras, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not sure uh, how advanced the the optical recognition softwares are. But mostly they they use uh, gyroscopes to know the alignments and uh, military uh, precision GPS. So not like the the commercial one that we get to use with the two or three meters of accuracy, but like you you can have access to centimeters accuracy GPS so they they communicate with each other a lot so the rocket knows exactly where the drone ship is and tries to land on the the uh, yellow circle in the middle sometimes it's a little bit off but this is uh, getting more and more accurate actually Elon said that for the next rocket the Starship 
the booster will be called the super heavy and the super heavy will be able to land back on the launch pad so the accuracy will be that much improved like centimeters accuracy we are talking about here so this is i think that it's mostly gps mm-hmm. yeah to me one of the most interesting things is how quickly the technology is advancing it's just getting so much better and faster and more efficient and um it's really exciting to think that in time this is what's going to be taking us to mars like they're following a very set series of steps and yes. like you said the next thing they're going to build is going to be the spaceship yes the starship will be a beast and and they already did some some hopper tests that they they also did for the boosters as well and uh, before before we start talking, you said that you were interested in what happens to the second stage. Absolutely, because that's not that's something that we didn't see in the video. It just sort of stays in space. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Oh. So they don't show it, uh-huh. but the they don't want to contribute to more space junk than that it is already there. So this whole rocket is engineered uh, so that at the end the the second stage has some fuel inside and um, they only use uh, the low earth orbit and the geostationary transfer orbit or geosynchronous transfer orbit for these launches and that means uh, that for for low earth orbit is pretty easy you just fire the rocket backwards to slow it down enough so that it falls back to the earth and if we want to go on a geosynchronous uh, transfer orbit that means a, a transfer between between the low Earth orbit and the huge geosynchronous orbit, where the satellite, and this satellite will be also there, where the satellite stays at the same uh, place above Earth. And uh, to, to transfer between the two, you have a highly elliptical orbit that the rocket will reach. And when it deploys the payload to the to the geosynchronous orbit, uh, as the, the, the second stage is coming back to Earth on the highly elliptical orbit, when it reaches Earth, they will fire it backwards, slow it down, and then it will burn up in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So they were unable to develop methods to reuse the second stage, unfortunately. Uh, that's why they decided to develop the Starship, which will be uh, much more effective because that will be fully reusable. <laughs> that's a little bit disappointing <laughs> but of course there's so much more that's being reused in this than there is in other rockets that came before so I guess it's all about taking steps yes and the second stage is not that expensive because it only has one engine compared to nine engines on the booster so it's much more the engine is the most uh, expensive part on the rocket you know the fuel tank and the 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 stage you know the the out side of the stages is this is not not that expensive the engine is is the most expensive part and it only has one <laughs> so wasting one engine is not that uh not that big of a deal let's say this not that big of a deal than uh focusing more on nine engines and 27 so so those are the important things to 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 land Right. So let's talk about the fairing because because um, the payload when when it is um, 
on, on the ground. It has to be uh, put in, in this fairing that you can see on the top of the rocket. And uh, this will be also uh, pressurized. So when, when they get to space uh, above 100 kilometers altitude, uh, we will hear that the, the fairings have been deployed. So that time the fairings just separate mm. because they don't need this aerodynamic cover anymore. So this is, this is just to cover the payload because the, the satellite is not very aerodynamic, but the, this, this fairing is. So they, they use this to, to reach space in, in the most effective way. And the first thing that, that is a huge historical success for SpaceX is that they could actually recover both of the fairings. And this has never happened before. They couldn't even recover one. And I was I was very excited to see it on on Twitter. Elon tweeted a picture, actually two pictures of the of the uh, payload fairings that they they have successfully catch them. Mm-hmm. And this is also a very interesting thing that we could talk about. But I don't know much about the 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 fairing and how how they work, but. Uh, they have big parachutes, mm. as I know it, and uh, they try to catch it with, with a big boat. It's called Mr. Steven. One of them is called Mr. Steven. And it has four big arms and a huge net uh, between, between the arms. So they try to, try to move under the, the fairing as it, as, it, as it comes back. So this, this is a very, very big uh, success for SpaceX. And uh, this is also a very expensive part on the rocket. So being able to catch it and then reuse it is a huge deal. Uh, this cannot be used after it hits the water because the water is salty uh-huh. and it can get uh, into the little mechanics that release the the payload fairing and if that doesn't work then the whole mission is uh, failed and is this something that can be reused can it be fitted to different types of satellites yes this is this is a standard size i see so this is the same for all the all the rockets again so it doesn't matter if your satellite is just this small or or it's all the way in in the fairing uh again the same manufacturing process the same fitting tools there yeah, this is this is all the same i think that th- this was modified a bit to make it a bit bigger um, a few years ago mm-hmm. but they tried to standardize everything so it can get into a smooth process and they they can develop the next rocket that they are they are developing right now very cool well, do you want to watch the launch test? sure i do i definitely do <laughs> Okay, so we are at the minus uh, 45 seconds. So from now on, the the Falcon Heavy is in launch mode, which means that from T minus one minutes, uh, it's all the Falcon Heavy, so they cannot stop it anymore. It is in, in liftoff sequence. So if the rocket senses something that is off, then it will just just uh, shut it shut down itself. Mm-hmm. So from now, this is all automated. Uh-huh. So T minus fifteen. And it, the whole mission from now on is automated? Yes. Wow. So it's just computers doing everything, right? Yeah. Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. Ignition. 
I love these camera angles, by the way. Yeah. This is perhaps the most amazing thing about watching it is I was watching it for the first time. Just, just keep an eye on the gas outflow. Yeah. Just keep an eye on it because right now it's just one single column. What's it going to be like? The, the you will see it. it. It is very hard to miss. So I, I would just call you out to, to look at it. But right now you can see the bit expanding already. Vehicle supersonic. You may have heard the call out on net one. Vehicle is supersonic. Side boosters are throttling back up on power. So you see it, see, see it expanding. And uh, what they what they said in the commentary is that they they became supersonic. They became uh, they overcame the max Q, which is the maximum aerodynamic pressure. And uh, this is the 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 hardest thing for the vehicle, uh, as as it experiences the most stress. So they at that time they just throttled down the engines to about 60% of the full throttle. So they try to make it easier and then after they are past this they will just uh, just increase the, the thrust so you can see the gas right now really expanding so they are at like 30 kilometers attitude and you can also see it on the videos that that it is very very expanded because the the outflow is around uh, one bar mm -hmm. but the ambient pressure is like much lower at this attitude it's like 0.2 bars already mm -hmm. and this is because of the double bell shape no no this the, this rocket doesn't have that separation of the two side boosters so we are at t plus 2.25 that's the the second stage that has that no, that will be the Starship. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, so we're not even at that point yet. Yeah, okay. we're not. Got it, got it. So two point, uh, two minutes 38 is when the side booster cutoff happened. And you can, al you can already see that the boosters are aligning themselves uh, to turn back and uh, try to, you know, is, do you see it on the top screen yeah. that uh, they are firing back? Uh -huh. So uh, they, they, they use it to come back. This is the boost back burn. This is used to come back to Florida. Everything looking good on the flight of Falcon Heavy. The next major You can see these little little thrusters. Yeah. It's used to align the rocket. And those use the same kind of fuel? Yes. Oh, the, the little thrusters, yeah, no. no. Uh, this is this is some kind of other uh, gas I, I'm not exactly sure about. Helium or nitrogen or something like that. Somebody on Reddit knows. <laughs> Someone on Reddit, yes. So, uh, T plus uh, 3 minutes 38 is when this uh, the uh, main engine cutoff happened. And uh, right now they're already firing the uh, the vacuum engine, and you can see it. This is a fisheye lens, but you can already see that this is this is expanding uh, to 
So basically, this nozzle is uh, just is almost the same diameter as the whole uh, booster, which has nine engines. So you can imagine how big that nozzle actually is. The fairing separation. We are over 100 kilometers, so we are on in space. Successful shutdown. You can see the uh, the center center core uh, opened opened the great fins as well, and uh, on the side you can also see T plus four minutes thirty seconds, and the side boosters are also opening the great fins. And people say it's a CGI and the Earth is flat, <laughs> but maybe that, that's a, that's a can of worms you don't want to open right now. I don't know. Maybe sometime like next year, April first, we could get this flat Earth. Yeah, I hope the podcast can can carry on that for that long. It would be awesome. Uh, right now on the top screen, you can see the trajectory for the uh, the the, the center core that will land on the drone ship and. Uh, the these the side boosters are coming back so this is so you have to gain a lot of velocity sideways as well separation the side boosters were traveling and what's this that you see right here that make looks way like back to land at a side the foil well, yeah. that's foil oh, okay <laughs> that, that is just to cover the parts of the engine uh, it doesn't have to be aerodynamic uh, because you're already in space sure. when, when this whole thing comes comes out and then about what altitude is considered to be in space? Uh, above 100 kilometers. It was, uh, it is named the Karman Line, and it was uh, named after the Hungarian scientist. So, so uh, be uh, above 100 kilometers is considered space. Right screen. I don't know. Maybe we missed the entry burn. Yeah, this is right now starting at six uh, minutes uh, sixteen seconds. So basically, the the whole point of the boost, uh, the entry burn, is to create a shield of hot gas uh, when the rocket is coming back, so that so that the aerodynamic heat doesn't uh, damage the rocket, and also at the same time they try to slow it down as much as possible. Seconds, the center core, which you see on your center. Right now, they are uh, falling again. So one of the things that I think many people like me think of when they imagine space is in movies, you know, when things get really hot as they re-enter the atmosphere. What causes that? Um, yeah, they actually get very hot. And this is because you are going at a very high velocity and you start hitting the atmosphere and there are just molecules that, uh, you know, they just cannot go away that quickly. So, so they, they just get stuck there and they get heated up because there's a lot of kinetic energy uh, when you're coming back. You can also see it on the shuttle landings. So this is a, a key moment, landing burns. Uh, you can see it uh, just a few seconds before landing. Do you see the gimbal of the uh, the great fins? And and uh, keep an eye on the legs. They are not opening at the same time. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, you can see it really well on this shot. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. This is just physics. Yeah. Eight minutes from liftoff and two boosters are already landed. Yeah. Um, this is a silly thing to mention, but I don't know if you know that very old-fashioned game that we land a rocket on the moon. 
Uh, it's like a moon landing game. Yeah, we're um, sorry. Shut down. Uh, <laughs> just in that game, how it, like weirdly awkward and slow the landing is, but here it's just like so smooth and so fast. I don't, I don't know that game. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one person on the internet can recognize. Yeah. <laughs> If you recognize this game, just uh, send me a DM on Instagram so I can I can keep Daniel updated. <clears throat> and right now the second stage is just uh, powering the the satellite to reach the desired orbit. Mm-hmm. Shut down. D- did you hear the call out? Uh, and we have confirmation. There are many intel going on, but. Uh, Nominal orbiter session. So, so this is the the first uh, stage of the flight, so that they they reach the low orbit, and then they will use another firing to reach the this transfer orbit that I was uh, that I mentioned. So again, as we mentioned earlier, this is going to be a challenging landing, and we are landing on our drone ship. So T plus nine point thirty uh, landing burn. You can see the whole thing shaking yeah. because because the rocket is coming in and the gas is sitting and everything. Uh, the video cuts out. This is where people go crazy. Yeah. Like, what happened? It blow up. I, right. I really hope that they like, have some backup video or something that they're able to find because that would be so. Cool. Yeah, they 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 record record those. Of course. <laughs> I also love that it's called, of course, I still love you. <laughs> yes, this is the other the other drone ship is uh, just read the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> so now we are going to take a quick. So now this is this is the image that you saw, and um, uh, this uh, this the, uh, this cutoff of the of the image happens because um, as the rocket is coming in, the shock waves from the engines uh, can move the drone ship so much that it loses the satellite signal that is used to transfer the data back to ground. So uh, a way to solve this would be to have another drone ship close, and then the the two drone ships would communicate easier and then the second drone ship could stream the, the video up. But there's, this is a too high cost and the SpaceX engineers will have the videos after the drone ship comes uh, back to um, comes back to the to the shore. Right. So they can just download the, the videos probably uh, at the at the end of the uh, landing they are already transmitting the data back to the scientists and engineers to to analyze everything that they can so they, this is just the online live streaming that sometimes you lose connection when when a huge rocket is trying to land on on the top of the ship yeah makes sense <laughs> Uh, I can imagine. And um, it would be a bit too much of a waste just to please people on the internet who are. Yes, there's just too much cost. Okay. People will people can wait. They can watch it afterwards. Yeah. The so right now they're just you can see the animation here. Yeah, great title. For the they 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 are just they're just coasting right now. Welcome back to the webcast for the Arab Saints. And. Um, 
here you can you can see another uh, and so they're just waiting for it to get into position as it comes around the earth yes right to to make sure that they you know they have to wait and then when it's at the right point they use this so-called the Holman transfer orbit so that you have to be on the opposite sides of the circles to be able to use this and uh, then you can launch it to the desired uh, orbit on top. Yeah. This is just the, the this next startup at T plus twenty eight minutes uh, is is not that long. This is going to be. I think it's, you can also see it. It's uh, glowing. It's. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. Eighty five seconds long burn. So I think I'm just going to scroll through this. And um, so you said something about the other side of the circle. What the final orbit? That has, that's the position it has to be in. Yes. So it has to arrive. The the other the other part of the circle, uh, the 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 big orbit, will be above the Arabian uh, area where they want to they want the satellite to be mm -hmm. and they have to count in the rotation and the time it takes to get there to to be so, you know, just uh, I don't know computer uh, magic or mathematics <laughs> so they just have to calculate the orbits and uh, then they know the exact timing that they have to, to, right. to take and right now the satellite around the world and the time that it takes it to I don't know how, how long it is I think it's different for every orbit and every satellite because based on the mass of the satellite uh, this can vary yeah I remember so, yes. I was sitting watching this launch in my apartment thinking okay like in the time that I've been sitting here watching it it's covered however many hundreds and hundreds of kilometers and meanwhile I'm just sitting here in my apartment going nowhere and watching this incredible moment you're actually going right very relative fast on earth universe, yes, yes. <laughs> depends on relative to what it's true it's true yes I don't know when the satellite deployment is just let me let me just scroll through the little starship earth is carrying me through yeah. Sometimes just stop and think about that. 30 kilometers a second. Here we are, yeah. <laughs> That's very fast. Yeah, compared to that, like, what can a Ferrari do? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's like you can just add a little. Exactly. A few meters per second. Yeah, it's a rounding error. People still buy those. Yes, exactly. Yeah, rounding error, yes. <laughs> Ferrari is just a rounding error. It'll retain that spin when it separates from the second stage. So now we will see just the separation. Attitude is like over 700 kilometers now. So yeah, you can see that uh, around 34 minutes that the, the satellite is deployed. That's it. And then the satellite has uh, thrusters and uh, fuel in it. So when it reaches the or the desired height, the desired altitude of the orbit, then it can use these thrusters to gain more speed to stay in that higher orbit. If it if it didn't use the thrusters, it would fall back to it would stay actually on the same elliptical orbit where the second stage is. And when the 
the second stage comes back close to Earth, then it will slow down and burn up in the atmosphere. And the, the satellite will use its own engine's own uh, uh, fuel to stay on the higher orbit. So I think that's it. So I just stopped the, the stream. To me, this is the uh, boring part of the of the launch. The the most interesting and exciting is the the liftoff uh-huh. and uh, the separations and then the the landings, of course. Yeah. So I think that we should uh, just uh, try to answer a few questions from the community. Right. I have a question if I count as being part part of the community. Of course you do. Because the, the question that sort of occurred to me is you know, when we put so many satellites up there and you know there must be a problem with space junk. You know, all of the fragments and things that are forming around the planet. Yes, there 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 is there is a big problem. Yeah, so um what what can be done about that? Um Actually, as a European, we can be uh, very proud of the European Space Agency uh, because they they developed the satellite that had a few tests uh, on it to basically, I think the name was the orbit and uh, they had... I think four or five technologies. So it is just a test satellite. And it had four or five technologies that they wanted to test. Uh, one of them that I can remember was a harpoon mm-hmm. that you can use to, to shoot at the space junk. You know, you can catch it and then you can use the actual satellite to to, to drag it down, to slow it down uh, so that it can, they all can burn up in the atmosphere. Uh, another- so basically drag it down. Yes. Yes, one by one. Uh, another way was to develop a web, mm-hmm. catch it, and then slow it down the same uh, method. Uh, another one was uh, in some again catching it some way, but not using engines, but opening a big uh, like an umbrella type of uh, thing that actually there is a little uh, amount of drag even in space. So the molecules that uh, there are ju- just just very few of them. But if if you spend enough time in space, you can slow down. The ISS also has to do some orbit adjustments to stay up in the desired orbit. So you can ju- if you have a bigger uh, surface, mm-hmm. then you can slow down. And uh, probably the community smarter than me knows uh, the other experiments that they ran there. And I don't know the results if they seem to be feasible or not, but this was an exciting one for me to to see. So, yeah. Yeah, the space junk is is a is a big problem, and it's 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 a danger for for the ISS as well. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I'm sure you've also seen gravity, and yeah, <laughs> you know how yeah. dangerous that stuff can be. Um, I don't know how accurate the science is in that movie, but maybe we can do that in a different podcast. <laughs> to me, uh, upon first sighting, it seemed to be pretty accurate. Like they didn't have uh, audio in space, like not like in Star Wars. I, I mean, I love Star Wars, but it's usually ve- weird when the Tie Fighters are, you know, just going very fast, and then you can you can you can hear the Doppler effect. Yeah. But there's actually no sound in space. Well, um, I'm sure that Star Wars fans in our audience will be uh, getting on their computers to tweet. 
it says, well, actually, this is an effect created by the computers on their spaceships in order to create a 3D soundscape to help the fighter pilots orient themselves in space. Yes, <laughs> that, would, that would be a, a very uh, good one, actually. That's a good idea. I would love to see that on in the future on on the on these spaceships so if there's any uh current or future engineer please note daniel's request to have some audio guide to be able to align yourself according to uh, other spaceships uh, all you engineers working for incom can figure that out yeah. <laughs> maybe you can just uh start a startup do, do you in english do you start a startup Sure, why not? Well, but you like, it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like to me, it seems it weird to say it this. Sounds a little bit silly. You found it. Found the startup or launch? Launch a start. startup. Sure, it's very appropriate for the topic. Right? Yeah, sorry. You can launch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, in this time, I I received six answers. Um, one of them is the same. What is uh, when will be the next launch? So, uh, guys, there is an awesome app. It's called SpaceX Time Machine. Uh, I use an iPhone, so you can find it on the App Store. I don't know if there is uh, an app for Android. Can you, Daniel, please check? Absolutely. SpaceX TM or Time Machine. And this is an app. I don't know the developer's name, but this is an awesome app. It's very simple. Uh, you can see the time until the next launch, uh, the previous launches. You can see some details about the launches. And uh, right now, as I see it, is the SpaceX uh, CRS-17, which is, as far as I know, this is the commercial uh, resupply services contract, and this will be the 17th launch. So this is to resupply the ISS. And it will be on the uh, 26th of April. So uh, 13 days from the time of recording the podcast, I will try to put it out as quickly as possible. But yeah, the 26th of April is the launch window. And I will try to check when the next uh, Falcon Heavy launches. Um, It is scheduled to be in June 2019. Uh, it will be the STP-2. I don't know, probably this is a military satellite. I'm not sure. US Air Force's Space Test Program 2, STP-2, Space Test Program. Cool. With a cluster of military and scientific research satellites. So that will probably happen in June. So this this app is what I use. You can, you can set the notifications to... Um, it notifies you 24 hours, uh, four hours and uh, 15 minutes before the launch or so. And you can also see if there's a delay or there's a reschedule uh, in the launch. So this is a very useful app. I use it for all the launches. This is also only SpaceX launches. So uh, there are probably uh, many apps for, for other rocket launches. But, you know, as they say, there's, there's an app for that. So probably there are developers all around the world developing these apps. So you can just get get what you what you like. Okay, I will try to uh, see another question. 
what happens to the Falcon booster's trajectory if some disturban- disturbance is caused by external factors? Mm. So, so what happens when when something goes wrong? Well. Um, the, uh, what what the uh, SpaceX team did is um, as this is fully automated, uh, the rocket uh, will try to to align itself based on any disturbance that happens. So this is not like pre-coded that you have to go this trajectory or you just have to move yourself like this because then something goes wrong and then you would be off. So the rocket will correct itself to be able to land either on the ground or the drone ship. But what they did, and this is very smart, for the drone ship landings and also for the um, for the uh, ground landings, you can um, you can see that the rocket, as it is coming down, it is trying to fall or next to the uh, to the landing spot, not right on top of it. So. Uh, this is because if something goes wrong with the last burn, uh, they will not hit the the boat, and they will not uh, fall on the on the ground. But but the rocket then will fall in the water, so they will use the last uh, meters to actually try to maneuver over the drone ship and over the the landing zone back back in Florida. It took a second. By now, everybody on the internet has already Googled this, but um, the SpaceX Time Machine is available for Android. Cool. And uh, do you know the developer? Absolutely. I'll tell you in just a second. Um, this is even Kliavac. Uh, probably. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name even. Uh, this is an awesome app, so thank you so much for developing it. Yeah, it's a 4.8 rating on Google Apps. Very interesting. No, there is another question, uh, actually two questions about um, will humans step on Mars before 2050s and uh, when will the next Mars Mars mission be? Uh, so personally, I, I truly hope that they will actually land and walk on Mars uh, based on Elon time. It is scheduled to be in 2024 and they want to launch two, uh, two cargo ships in 2022 uh, but the way I see it which is more realistic is that we will uh, be able to launch the cargo ships but in 2024 mm-hmm. and uh, probably uh, land the crew in 2026 but uh, to do this there is a lot of engineering that needs to happen and I think uh, we should talk about the difficulties of going to Mars in a separate episode because uh, the, that deserves at least one one longer episode. Mm-hmm. And do you know who else right now is thinking about sending things to Mars? Any other companies or countries? Yes, uh, the Chinese are also looking to, to send people to Mars, the Indian space agency ISRO. Uh, I don't know the exact uh, abbreviation. I'm sorry, Indians. There are a lot of Indians uh, listening to this. So uh, it's probably Indian Space Research Organization. Mm. Does that match the acronym? ISRO. 
It does. Yeah, probably. Yes, uh, probably that's it. Um, if you're an Indian watching or listening to this podcast and you you know uh, that I that I mistaken this uh, name for your space organization, but first of all, sorry. Second of all, please just uh, send me a DM on what the actual name of the organization is. And um, probably... Uh, okay, uh, and probably uh, the Blue Origin. There's this is another company. If it's founded by Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, and probably the richest person on earth right now. And um, but they they, as I know, they don't aim for Mars. They want uh, big heavy lift vehicles, and they want to be able to host humanity in space. So they want artificial gravity stations and these O'Neill cylinders that are like big cylinders that they rotate on their own and uh, they create an, an artificial gravity and you can have an atmosphere inside and and gardens and uh, everything so so uh, that is another plan um, but I'm I think that going to Mars is is a bit more realistic but that will also be very hard so I think we can we can talk about that in the next episode or in in a few upcoming episodes sure cool are there any more questions no there aren't unfortunately I posted too many stories today so so this one is like very very far back in the timeline and, and people just uh, usually they 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 don't read the end so so and, and only two hours so if if this was the first story of the day then probably many more people would be able to to ask questions but i think that this is already a very long episode and thank you so much for being here and and discussing this it's really fun i really enjoyed it and thank you to everybody on the internet who joined us all the few people who did join us <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully um, this episode will stay up forever. So, so we are like uh, we are talking about legacy here. Yeah. So, uh, I hope that if you are listening to this um, in two thousand one hundred and you're already on Mars, this is an awesome historic uh, episode for you to listen uh, what space exploration was uh, on this day. So, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode bye 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 thank you so much for tuning into the podcast this episode was not sponsored by anyone so if you would like to help us out to create more long format content like this one you can do so by going to marstronauts.space and uh, checking out our merchandise store where you can find awesome t-shirts hoodies and other space merchandise and you can also support us on Patreon, which is a monthly membership site where you can choose how much you would like to give us on a monthly basis. And then you will get rewards from us for your generous support. So head over to patreon.com slash to check out our rewards that we offer for your help. And uh, thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, Please uh, share it on social media platforms or send it to your friends so they can also learn from it too. And stay tuned for the next episode.